Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the podcast where week after week, I bring amazing leaders here to share their insights with you and perhaps inspire you. And I know you'll love this episode as well as all the others. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell others so we can always bring you great programming. And just know on a personal note, I am here to help guide the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And today, I am blessed with an amazing leader, Tracy Crosley, who innovates in a crowded marketplace of coaches, counselors, and mentors, and she has perfected a method for real change no matter what circumstances are occurring in the life of an individual personally or in business. And with her background in business, marketing, psychology, ontological coaching, emotional talents, and intuitive abilities, she is a game changer for women leaders looking to reinvent how they live and lead from the inside out. She has been known to say she can build the perfect leader for the present and in the future. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Tracy. And I am so excited for this. Well, Tracy and I have gotten to know each other and her audience is women leaders, women professionals. All of her insights are applicable to any demographic that is seeking to find a better way and propel their career forward. And I too am a successful female leader and have been stuck and have not been sure of the path forward. So I am grateful to hear your insights and maybe I will gain some new ones along the way. So Tracy, Tracy, I would love for you to share a little bit about how did you get in this line of work? Well, I accidentally fell into this work and I say accidentally, I've always been an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is I started when I was about seven years old selling popcorn balls. I don't even know if they do popcorn balls anymore. I, I don't think those are around. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I started with that. And then when I was 15, I got a job and I also sold Avon door to door. Like I did all of these different things and my journey, I don't think I was ever really clear on it. I think I sort of fell into most things that I did. Like I worked for my dad for a while and that started me off in sales and then sales management. And then I went off on my own and started my own marketing and graphic design firm. And then I worked for different people, different corporations, different industries, it's kind of not made a lot of rhyme or reason, I would say, when you look back on my past. The last job I had, I was a vice president in an advertising agency. It was a global ad agency that <laughs> I kind of laugh when I say this. It was a global ad agency that focused on recruitment advertising. And so 2008 rolled around and nobody was hiring, right? So recruitment advertising wasn't needed so much. And leaving there, I had read a book. The book kind of, I don't know, when I read books, I always am interested in other books that might be mentioned in the book, that kind of thing. I'm a bookaholic. So in this book, this coach was mentioned and this book, and I read her book 
And I thought, oh my God, this is so helpful. I need to meet this woman. And I'm in Los Angeles and she was in Los Angeles. So I went to her place of business. I met her and at meeting her business partner. And at this point, you know, I'm unemployed. And they said, why don't you do sales and marketing for us? I said, sure. And then they wanted me to train as a coach. And I'm like, I I don't think I want to do that because I don't know how I'm going to make money at that. And I really need to stick to trying to get a job, like a real job. Long story short, (laughs) I ended up becoming a coach. And that was pretty much how it started. That's what I mean. Like I fell into it. I had to be talked into it because I just thought, oh, this is not a good idea. What am I going to do with this? Even though people had told me all along, you'd be a great coach. And then it sort of evolved from there. I was trained as a love coach and I didn't know the first thing about love really. I was divorced at the time. And I mean, dysfunctional relationships, but through the evolution of fit the last 15 years, I not only had my background as a leader, you know, when I was in corporate starting my own businesses, those kind of things, but also I learned a lot about behavior. You know, I have a master's in psychology and I have this ontological coaching, which is mind, body, spirit coaching, which is really pretty fascinating as a modality all in of itself. But all of these things combined and, you know, a lot of research and working with different people, men and women, sort of brought me to the point of really defining my B2C play. And my B2C play is really about insecure attachment. And pretty much I found that everybody has insecure attachment to some degree. It may not be in your, let's say, love relationships, but it could be in your work. It could be anywhere, basically anything that you attach to and you need that result to happen. That's insecurity. So I noticed with female leaders that yes, I am one. But there were a couple of things that really drove me to wanting to work with female leaders to wrap this up. And that is this world, women have a hard time coming together. No matter what we, you know, and at least in the United States, do not have women coming together. You can tell by how women vote against each other, how women don't vote and, and come together for other women. We compare, we judge, we compete. And a lot of this is societal bias. We have prescriptive bias. We have descriptive bias. So descriptive bias is, hey, I'm a woman. I belong to a group. Prescriptive bias is all the behaviors I associate that a woman should have. And a lot of female leaders struggle with that internally because we take that bias in. And then maybe you're assertive or you're, let's say, masculine. And that turns some people off. And so in your head, you're trying to negotiate well, how do I come across in a way that people are going to listen to me? They're going to respect me. So we have all of these things we're negotiating all the time. And what happens is it plays into our self-worth. And the more worthy you actually feel, the less you judge, the less you compete, the less you compare. And these, of course, are all internal things because a lot of the stuff I talk about, you would meet a leader and wouldn't think that she had these issues. But I've been doing this so long, and this is my way of sort of helping the world to come together. (laughs) So that's how I got here. Such a fascinating story. And as I'm listening to this, I'm smiling. You can't see it. It is the fact that our lives have been intertwined or so similar. And I bet you, if you and I have had similar lives, other women and men have had the same one. I mean, going back to age seven, I did lemonade stands. I did arts and craft. I was always trying to make a buck just to have a little bit of something, but maybe it was for my independence. Got a paper route at 12. And I too followed a path that made sense. Science and technology went into engineering, went into manufacturing, went up, 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 and it all made sense. And 
fit tangible needs or what was expected or just that push, that generational, I got to keep going, going, going. And in the end, I too came to a juncture where I said, I need to stop. <laughs> this isn't serving me anyway, uh, anymore, while it may have been financially very lucrative for the family. And again, the family unit to me was quite important, but ultimately we get to a place and I too, I read books. I got inspired. I actually met and spoke to some of the authors that I love their books. I've had them on the show as well. Amazing people and their work resonated. There is such a population out there, men or women, that get to a place and wonder, well, how did I get here? And is this what I'm still meant to do? And then you got to do that inner work to figure out, how am I going to unleash that potential, that confidence, or just having the courage to say, I really, really want to do this versus that. It's hard. But once you have somebody aligned such as you as a coach to just ask those hard questions and you realize it's me holding myself back, not society or anybody else. Sometimes you can unleash amazing potential. That's why I love this conversation. I love it too. You have so much to talk about here, and I really want to hone in. I think the demographics of my audience are both the C-suite leaders who are in positions of responsibility, leading organizations, and maybe stuck or not sure what's next. But also I'm speaking to the leaders of tomorrow who are trying to ascend that maybe they can avoid getting into these mindset issues and actually achieve the results they want. You have some thoughts around the characteristics of certain CEOs that are of a train wreck, roller coaster, or comfort CEO. I just love these terms. Shed light on this. What is this? Because maybe somebody out in the audience is going to say, this is me. <laughs> you know, where are those three titles that I came up with? So when it comes to being a CEO, obviously somebody's going to go, well, I don't actually fit into any of those names. Those are horrible names. But I mean, that would be my first response. But the truth is, a train wreck CEO is somebody who's pretty avoidant in terms of how they do things in life. And what I mean by that is I don't want to deal with messy emotions. I don't want to hear what someone has to say about their dad died, you know, one of my employees. I don't want to hear that. It's uncomfortable. I don't know how to respond to it. Usually your personal life reflects this, let's say, avoidancy. And you tend to also to other people be a bully. You may not think you're a bully, but your way of doing things, it can be to be pretty bully-like. <laughs> I'm trying to make it nicer, but really it is. And problem is that you're not really relating or bonding with people. And so even though you may think that they're loyal or respect you, a lot of times they don't, because obviously you cannot control people. You're not in their body, you're in your own body. And so the feedback you may be getting, you may not even know that other people feel the way they do about you. So that's one. I guess my question here is you've identified these three personas or kinds of CEOs that may exist out there or C-suite leaders. But I'm just curious when you partner with somebody to help evolve their style, help them through because what was working doesn't serve them or somebody says, hey, can I give you some frank feedback? How do these people come to you? Because if they're a train wreck CEO, they may not even realize they need help. How do you find them or how do they find you? What happens when they are in a place that they say, I can no longer lead in the same way? Usually something's happened. Usually either they're at risk of losing their business or losing their job. They've had a mass exodus as far as people that work for them. There's a drop in revenue, a loss of a client. It's always to do with some kind of loss. It's not like somebody who's like that would wake up and go, gee, 
I need to do something different. But do they ever take personal accountability? Because something could be happening in an acute situation in the business, but sometimes they may not, and again, I'm just saying in general, may not be of a mindset of, oh, it's that, or it's the economy, or the competition, or I'm not willing to cut my prices. When they have to take accountability that if I'm going to lead my people, I may need to do it in a different way. And I need to understand what the impact is of my leadership. How do they bridge that gap or how do they take accountability? Again, have they already taken that or you help them? Oh, I have to help them because just because somebody calls me up and says, I want to do something about this. A lot of times it takes a while for people to get to a place of self-responsibility. A lot of the blame, a lot of the outside factors, once you really get that you're the common denominator, you're the one who's setting the pace, especially as a CEO, you're setting the pace. And when you start to see yourself in, let's say, more true fashion, first of all, that's painful because, oh, I did do that. Oh, it is my fault. Oh, and it's not so much that I want somebody to find fault. It's that when you really understand how empowerment works is when you have taken self-responsibility. When you take responsibility, you're empowering yourself because that means you can make a different choice. If you think it's outside factors, then you're always gambling. Then it's always about, well, maybe I can hit it this time. Instead, you're limited in how your perspective is operating as a leader. It's super limiting. And so, yeah, there's not a lot of choice there. But when you have taken responsibility, it's the world is your oyster because then you can make these different decisions and that will allow you to elevate. Like maybe you'll challenge yourself and You'll sit and you'll be uncomfortable talking to an employee who's having an emotional issue and you won't judge them. You'll be able to be open. They'll be able to bond with you. Then maybe they'll be loyal. Maybe they'll be more productive. I mean, there's so many different things that happen in relational dynamics. So, but that's just one aspect. So this is so relatable because one of my goals for myself personally as a leader of a small business was I needed to have better health. And again, I'm not sick, I'm not ill, but certain numbers, certain things I wanted to improve. And every year, every week, every month, I would say, oh, but I was so busy doing X. I was trying to do one extra report. I was one extra networking, but I never have enough time. And I don't know what it was, but I am a leader. I am advocating. I am mentoring other women out there to say you need to take personal personal accountability. And I was not for myself. And I don't know what happened, but I will tell you Christmas of this year, I had a conversation with a wellness coach. It was so simple. She was so understanding and empathetic. I started following the protocol. Super, super, super easy. I've lost five pounds in five weeks. I sleep better, eight hours sleep each night. My skin looks better. All of a sudden I took accountability and all of a sudden things are happening. So whether it's personal goals or business goals, the buck stops with you. And again, I'm talking to you out there, my listeners, the buck always stops with you. There will be environmental factors sometimes, but most of the time it's yourself. Roller coaster. Tell me more about the roller coaster person. Oh, the roller coaster person. That's who I used to be. So and the roller coaster person has... I would say parts of the train wreck and parts of the passive because you're, you're sort of both and you, you tend to rescue people. You tend to rescue things. Like one of my favorite things was I would get hired for a job and the second to last job I had, it was as regional director for this company. And I walked in and they're like, yeah, you have a six figure base pay and you're going to get a six figure bonus. And the person who had the job at the time, she was pregnant and going on leave. And she's like, yeah, you know, I had a nice $350,000 bonus this last year. I'm like, 
oh god literally within i don't know two or three weeks of walking into this job all of these clients were leaving and had been planning to leave for a long time and it was most of their clients for the major movie studios out here and I had to go and save all the burning buildings. I had to go save all the burning accounts that I could. And a lot of them were like, we've been developing our own software. That's how much we hate working with your company. And I thought, oh my God. I mean, I walked into this, but it seemed to follow me everywhere I went. I was always trying to resuscitate things. And even in the last job I had, it was to resuscitate. It was their mid-level accounts to resuscitate all of them. And so This suited me on a certain level because I was used to this position. So then I never had to deal with myself. So I was always rescuing people. I didn't have clear boundaries with other people. And then I also at the same time could be very exacting. I didn't like excuses. If you brought excuses to me, I was not the person you wanted to say excuses to. So I was very professional all the time. On the other hand, you know, like how your train wreck CEO isn't really about emotions. The rescuer is, but only in a certain context, you know, only in the certain context of if it's not too messy and it's something you can handle. Also though, because you don't have great boundaries, a lot of times you may have friendships where maybe it should stay more professional. The thing is, you're not really establishing something on a consistent basis, which is what makes the roller coaster. So a lot of times the people who work for you and clients included may not know what to expect. You know, they may think that your behavior is one way and then they come in and you're completely different. And so people are always responding to you and not knowing how. And that impacts trust, consistency, consistency of brand and how people from a company respond. If there is any changing or inconsistency, trust goes down and then those clients and accounts are out the door. Amazing. Now I know we could continue to go into the different kinds of personas, but the other thing though, is then once we recognize these, these are patterns, these are behaviors, how have you helped them Stop the repetition of these unhealthy patterns, because again, I want my listeners to come away with some insight on how they can recognize their roller coaster or train wreck and stop or start doing something differently. So I'm just going to give you one way, and this is actually going to be in this book that I'm writing. What you want to do is imagine a pyramid and there's five parts to the pyramid. The bottom part is your belief on top of it. The next layer is your rules. The next layer is your stories. The next layer is your patterns. And the peak, the pinnacle, is evidence. And you can also formulate this into a loop of sorts because it does loop back around. But the point being, the belief always has to be at the base. So what this is, I have a belief that I'm alone, or I have a belief that I'm poor. I have a belief I'm a failure. A lot of us have negative beliefs. We don't know where they came from. We don't remember as children why we adopted them, but we have some really interesting ways of keeping them in place. So let's say that you have something that says I'm alone. So as a CEO, as a leader, what you're going to do, and these are things you're not consciously aware of, but if you start listening to the talk in your head and you start hearing Okay, so for I'm alone, rules would be no one can ever help me. Nobody does a good job. So the first one was can, the second one was does, all right? So it would either be can or can't, does, doesn't, those type of verbs. 
Look for that in what you're saying to yourself. Those are rules. If I have a rule that's supporting a belief that says I'm alone, I'm saying nobody can help me or I can't have help or something like that. Right there, you're cutting yourself off at the knees. So if you can even realize you got this rule, well, a simple fix would be to say, do the opposite. Put instead of you can, put can't or whichever. The thing is, most of us can mentally do that for a minute and then it might be too scary. Oh, that's uncomfortable to change that rule. So you might not be able to do something there. But if you get to the story, so the story continues from the rule. I can't have people help me. And then the word because start your story because all your excuses, all your reasons commit. Because last time I asked somebody, they dropped the ball on the project and I ended up having to do all the editing and I ended up having to do the presenting and blah, 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 blah. So that's your story. At any point in time, you hear that in your head. And a lot of us ruminate on stories over and over. Something happens, something didn't work out. And we are just focused on it. So the story would be, you know, all these things that people have done wrong. So of course, that means I have to be the savior. I have to be the one who's doing everything. I'm alone and I keep proving this to myself. So now, you know, if you can't, and at the story level, what you can do is say, is this really true? Because for a lot of us, we are going to say something is true and it's not true, but we're going to go with that. So we are caught up in the story. So could I change the story? Can I do something different with this story? Yeah, I can tell a different story. So you can change now the rules. You can always change the rules, the stories, and the patterns. So you get to the patterns, which is your action or inaction. How do you support this? How do you support your story, your rule? And finally, it supports the belief. And so by the things you do or don't do. Okay, so I sit up all night working on this project because nobody else can do it because I have to do it all myself. Well, what if I don't stay up all night? What if I break this pattern of staying up all night? Then I might need to have help. I'm going to have to take a risk. Oh no, I got to take a risk. And that is going to change things because if you don't, let's say you stick with the rules and your story and your patterns, your evidence shows you, see, I'm alone. I had to do everything. And it worked. And that's the only way things can be. So I'm always the one that's going to fall on my shoulders till I can find that great person to work for me who does this project right or whatever. And then you loop back down to the, the belief. It just goes around in circles. And so if you can, at any point with those three things, make a change, you can change things. The deeper work is how I work with people because I actually dig into all the resistance you would have to making any of those changes. So this is so impactful, especially for me. So when I get excited about that, I know my listeners are, but I remember, and I tell the story, the story, my husband says, you know, Deb, you could be a CEO someday. And I kept saying, no, 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 I can't. I don't have that experience. Not me. Even though I have led people gone into hairy roller coaster situations, save the day, I said, I can't. 
So I now am the <laughs> founder of my own company, going into other companies as the fractional chief operations officer, basically second in line to help guide that C-suite leader, essentially breaking that cycle because now I believe I can and I will. And I, in my own teachings, I have articles I've talked about that get rid of the unt, the N apostrophe T. As soon as you can get rid of that and reframe it, like somebody might say, people I mentor, oh, I can't do that. I don't have that experience. Experience. But I said, you could reframe it. I said, I've had new assignments in the past and I was resilient and figured it out. I believe I'm smart enough. And if I use my resources, I can be successful in the future state. Can't versus can. Couple simple grammatical changes can completely change the pattern. And I ask everybody listening, I want you to pause and think about that. Get rid of the end and apostrophe T. That leads to that whole cycle that Tracy has talked about. Such valuable insight, Tracy. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, the CEO's Compass and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. So what I want to go is one more topic here because I, I don't like the term imposter syndrome. I just have a bias <laughs> against it. I don't disagree that the mindset exists because somehow we arrive at a place where we don't believe we can do something because maybe we're not worthy, not capable. We don't have the confidence. I almost think somebody wrote it in a book somewhere and is making a lot of money off of it. But for you, I want to just know your insights because there's so many talented people I meet. I belong to the American Society for Quality, Women in Flavor and Fragrance Commerce, amazingly talented women. And I know they can do so many more things. I want to understand how they can overcome this bias or imposter syndrome, whether it's in their professional or personal life. What can they do now to just get over themselves? You know, it's always a choice. And first of all, you have to become aware of all the things you do to support your imposter syndrome or you're not feeling like, and I have air quotes going, like an authentic person or authentic leader, because that term gets tossed around a lot and I really don't like it, but it's a word to describe how we are not being ourselves and we don't actually trust that person that we really are. And so what we've done is, through being a perfectionist and a people pleaser, you know, those things, right? They usually are what create this persona. Okay. So this persona here is so much better than who I am. And what we've learned as children is how to get along in the world. And unfortunately we thought that who we are as a person isn't enough or good enough. And so we've sort of left that person behind, but the problem is we won't let people get close to us because they might scratch beneath the surface and find out that I'm not good enough. I shouldn't have this job. I shouldn't have the things I do. I don't deserve them 
because in reality, I'm not my persona. And so many people do this. And it's is really prevalent when it comes to insecure attachment as well, because there's a level of not accepting who you really are as a child and that we bring to adulthood. And most of us aren't aware we bring this stuff to adulthood. Again, I get emotional when we talk about this topic. I was very talkative and creative as a child. The world was mine. And every time I would go into the school system or circumstances, the world would ask me to be quiet because I talked too much or asked too many questions. And so eventually society forced me to fall within norms, follow the path, do what was right, heads down, do the work. And I feel like along the way, I may have lost myself now. <laughs> I show up. I flub my words. I am actively listening to you, but I could talk, talk, talk. I've got my ideas. Ask my husband. I could talk his ear off, but he is patient with me and he cares and he listens. I'll flub my words. I'm not perfect. My hair is not in the right place, but I am so over not being myself that I am myself every day showing up, like it or leave it. I may get some people upset because they may not like this persona, but I've got plenty of people that say, keep going. And I think our listeners right out there need to be looking for advocates and people that get them and care about them to empower you, I'll use that word, to be the person you were meant to be or become that person you left behind. Such amazing conversation. I know I want to give you the floor one last time. I know you've got some things that are happening, book, programs, podcasts, whatever you want. I want people to connect with you and your work and leverage your insights. So Tracy, you have the floor for the last couple minutes. Sure. Thank you. Well, I have my website, tracycrossley.com and that's Tracy with no E <laughs> just because the Crossley has an E and you can go there. All my social media is there. All my programs I have, I have one book out. It's called overcoming insecure attachment. I've written partially my second book. It's with my agent right now. And that is on women, insecurity, and leadership. And it's the path to courageous leadership. And it's really talking about a lot of the things that we were talking about today. But my perspective on everything is a little bit different because I always come back to the self so that we're not relying on other people to raise us up or to validate us or to do anything because oftentimes that is transient. That is not something that you can consistently have. And a lot of my programs are based on relational dynamics. They are based on what I like to call the internal operating system, your iOS, and really changing your behaviors for, I would say, permanently forever, because I look at what I've done already and it has permanently changed how somebody leads. It's changed their lives and it's set them free. It's given them emotional freedom. It's built more emotional intelligence. One of the programs that I'm doing, it's kind of a starter program or it's an add-on is I am doing, it's kind of interesting where once a week you will answer three questions that I send to you. I will send you three questions and then you answer them and I will respond. And this is sort of, I call it coaching through email. This is a way of getting to know me. It's for a year. It's a very low cost of getting to know me. For those of you that are ready to dive right in, you can email business at tracycrossley.com and we can go over programs that are meant to work in a very fast way, coaching, mentoring, consulting, because I do have a business background also that goes along with my coaching. So anyways, but that is, I think the mouthful that I wanted to share. <laughs> I so appreciate that. And I do encourage my listeners go to the show notes and check out all of her work, because again, I can be in service to you for business development, for leadership development, but maybe 
Tracy's voice resonates with you. And if we can help you, regardless of who that guide or coach is, I am happy that we are both reaching out to women, men, and all different demographics. And I also invite you the Drop-In CEO Collective, my monthly mastermind forum collective for the C-Suite Leaders of Tomorrow. It's complimentary. You come, you learn about strategic networking. There's an educational element. And then there is spot coaching, again, just to get to know me, similar to what Tracy's offer is. As well. So if it resonates with you, my voice, please visit my website, visit Tracy. And we just want to help women, men alike struggle less and achieve what they're meant to do. So Tracy, you have been an amazing guest. And I want to thank you for being on the Drop-In CEO podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this episode valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who would find it useful and inspiring. Your support allows me to keep sharing insights and inspiration to leaders who are working their way to the C-suite. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.